Welcome to Empower Humans. Welcome again to the Empower Humans podcast. This is episode 106. We had the great privilege and honor to talk with Adriana Kaiser today. And uh, we've got links and all this in our show notes. She's got a free gift workbook for everybody. What a powerful interview and conversation we had here. We should be charging a billion dollars for this, but guess what? Best things in life are free, and this podcast is free. Share it with all your friends, family, social media, YouTube, wherever you want to. Uh, we always have a video version pretty much up on YouTube as well, uh, but lots of great content here. She does all kinds of great things for people and uh, helping to find and maintain balance, harmony, joy, uh, success, happiness, you know, all the things I think it's safe to say we all collectively want together uh, in common as fellow human beings on this planet. So listen to this interview. And also I want to remind you, as always, up front, you are absolutely priceless. Nothing can ever change that. Even if you want it to change, it's not going to change. I'm sorry to break the news to you. You are absolutely priceless. And I want you to just, uh, along with me, try to embrace that reality and uh, don't believe anything to the contrary. Also, along with that, of course, as always, you are never alone. Uh, I'm always here for you. Uh, you can contact us at Empower101 on Instagram and Twitter, or even better, through email, info at empowerhumans.com, uh, Empower Humans, the website. There's a contact page there. All kinds of ways you can contact friends, family, neighbors, even with people still somewhat locked down. I think things are loosening up a little, hopefully uh, it stays that way when it comes to this whole virus thing as we record this now. But uh, connect with uh, all these people in your world. And if you're alone, if you're lonely, please, please, please reach out. There's tons of us out here to help get you back uh, on track uh, if, if that's what you need in your life. And maybe even just listen to these podcasts can help do that. Go back and listen to some of our back episodes. We've got some great, great guests and topics and uh, messages for all of you as well. So uh, also our challenges, study i got my boys now studying. I let them pick some books through these apps, and we haven't talked about these apps in a while, but in Las Vegas and Los Angeles and other places I've been, the local library systems plug into a lot of these apps. One of them is called Libby, L-I-B-B-Y, and another one is uh, called Hoopla, H-O-O-P-L-A, Hoopla Digital sometimes. You've got ebooks, you've got audiobooks, in some cases you've got music, videos, and other things as well. Of course, there's all the other stuff. Like we live in such an information age. None of us, literally none of us, especially if you have access to podcasts, uh, sorry, you've tipped your hand. I know you have no excuses because you have access to the internet, you have access to all these things, and I feel so blessed to live at this time where we have access to all these things, and you should too. Let's, let's access those resources and uh, grow and learn together, and there's just something about that that's going to uh, keep your mind sharp and uh, help keep us in line and in tune and in a joyful place in our lives. Uh, the second challenge, of course, make great moments. Take that joy that we develop and learn together as we study and listen to these podcasts and all these various things and project that outwardly to make great moments with other loved ones. Learn together for one thing. I do Legos with one of my boys. He's way into that. Uh, we do exercise together. We throw the football together. Uh, whatever works for you and your situation, whoever's in your world, uh, again, as we've always said, that involves people generally making these great moments. And it could be people you don't know. It could be just driving around town and when you come across uh, someone with a sign asking for money, no matter what their motives and situation is, sincere or not, Give them $5, give them $20, give them $1, give them 10 cents, help these people, and that will lift you as well. So again, study, make great moments, and of course, the last challenge is always, let's keep doing this podcast together. There's so many things I could say up front about this interview, but I just want you to jump right into it and uh, enjoy and partake of the 
wonderful glory that Adriana Kaiser brought to the table here. Uh, again, her website is adrikaiser.com. That's A-D-R-I-K-Y-S-E-R.com. She's got a free gift there, which is that same website slash free gifts. Uh, free hyphen gifts, by the way, with an S at the end. So check out all that. And without further ado, here is our interview with the one and only Adriana Kaiser. Here we go. Hey, we're excited and privileged today to be with Adriana Kaiser. I say Adriana because I used to live in South America. She is originally from South America and Venezuela, um, but we'll call her Adri because she also goes by that. Uh, but Adriana, how are you doing today? I, I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here with you. Yeah, we're excited to have you. You, you cover a lot of great topics and uh, do a lot of good in the world, it sounds like. You work with with women in particular. We'll, we'll talk about all that and, and maybe how some of this relates to us men as well. Uh, <laughs> but uh, tell me a little about your background. I always like to hear people's background up front. I, you know, Coming from South America, being an immigrant, some of us Americans don't fully relate. Although my, you know, the mom of my kids is originally, she's an immigrant from, from Chile originally. So I, I know some of those stories, but tell me about some of that and what, what brought you to America and to this place where you're doing uh, these things that you do. That's such a great question. You know, um, as a as a little girl, I always wanted to make a difference in people's life, especially the underdog. I was, I was, and I'm still very passionate about uh, making their rights wrong. You know, probably because mm-hmm. I saw myself as a underdog myself. Uh, I had to, as a child, I was abused and bullied by my a family member, by my aunt. Oh wow! And then I, I think part of me. I, I went to law school in Venezuela for a few years because that's exactly what I wanted to do. I, I didn't want other people to to be voiceless or to experience the things I've experienced mm-hmm. and go, uh, you know, and not have consequences. Because when I was being bullied and abused, nobody knew. My family didn't know until one day I finally decided to fight back and protect myself and defend myself. And that's when my grandma walks into the room and she sees what's going on. And obviously my grandma, uh, you know, took my side and protected me. But that was the very first time my entire family knew what was going on. So what brought me to the U.S. was that in many Latin American countries, you know, many people work really, really hard just to make ends meet. And my mom's side of the family, I have a lot of people here in the U.S. And back then, my mom asked me if I wanted to come to the U.S. for a few years to, for a few months, actually, to become fully bilingual and go back to Venezuela and finish my law degree because mm-hmm. law there and law here are completely different. And when I'm here, you know, I'm going to college, even though I, I, so let me tell you this. This is funny because I thought I spoke English. I thought I was bilingual before coming to the U.S. I knew how to write. I knew how to speak. I knew how to listen. But the moment I get it, I land in Dallas, the airport in Dallas, all I hear is, wah, 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 wah. I couldn't understand a word. It's like, <laughs> what's happening? So yeah. I'm going to community college to now learn English from a speaking, you know, from a native speaking or somebody that speaks English very well. And during that time, I met my husband, so I never went back to the U.S. However, I'm grateful that I'm I'm still living my childhood passion, which is making a difference in people's life. It just is a different way. And the reason I mentioned this is because oftentimes 
we get caught up into how things should be or what it should look like or what we should be doing and this is how we want to do it and we just have this tunnel vision that we just concentrate on that door that might be opening or closing and if that closes then we forget to look around to see what other avenues are opening for us and that's exactly what happened to me when I first came to the U.S., I not only discovered that I wasn't as fully bilingual as I thought I was, mm-hmm. but it was the very first time in my life when I was singled out by the way I spoke, by the way I looked, by the color of my skin, by my shape, something that I have never experienced. Mm. And I, I felt so bad about myself. This is something that... People that have been abused or people that have been singled out or people that actually many people that don't feel or they feel inadequate. What what we have in common is that, you know, we we try to to overcome or to 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 protect ourselves. Right. So during that time in my childhood, when I was being bullied and abused, all I hear was you're not good enough. Yeah. You're not straight enough. You're not smart enough. You're not talented enough. You're not enough of filling the blank. Or the other side of the coin, you're too much. So <laughs> my coping mechanism wasn't to be a victim and, 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 and just hide and, and, and just blame others. My coping mechanism was try harder, push harder, hold yourself to unrealistic standards just to prove to myself and others that I was good enough. The thing is with this type of... Uh, coping mechanism that many of us, all of us have, you know, we all have experienced some type of pain in our life, whether it's from uh, end of a relationship, from loss, from failure, disappointment, or even abuse. And what you and I have in common is that we cope with pain the best way we can with the tools we have at any given time. So for me, like I said, was holding myself to higher standards, push harder, try harder, try to prove to myself and others that I was good enough because it didn't matter that I, I speak multiple languages or that I have gone to law school or that I have traveled the world teaching wellness and spoken in conferences and events or that I built a successful career. For me, everything was, you're not good enough. But mm-hmm. also my coping mechanism was protect yourself. So I've been told you're too uh, strong, you're too driven, you're too much. So <laughs> I was like, I'm, too, I'm not good enough of something or too much of something. And for some people is, you know, how they cope is maybe turning towards food, hoping that food will fill the void that they have inside. Or maybe is waking up at two o'clock in the morning, you know, trying to control the things that they cannot control or saying, I should have, could have, would have said this or that or whatever. If this happened, I should have done this. So the thing is that this type of pain eventually catches up with you, affecting your health, your relationships, your finances, and even your business. So for me, all that pain of being abused and and, and the countering racist remarks, which led me not to speak for months. I was silent. I was voiceless. I Mm. felt inadequate. I felt belittled. Until one day I was like, you know what? Enough is enough. But that moment for me, I realized that something needed to change because all that painful, all those painful memories and emotions that I had buried led to chronic pain for over a decade. So for mm. 10 years, I was suffering from chronic back pain and trying all these conventional treatments just to get temporary results. Until that moment changed for me when I realized 
I will no longer live in pain. I'm not going to take medication like I'm eating candy just to manage my pain. So what did I do? I knew I had to address the mental and emotional aspects of myself and not just the physical pain because there was something deeper. I needed to change the narrative of my story. I needed to take control back of my health and wellness. So I truly believe, especially as a personal development coach, Mm -hmm. as a wellness expert, I believe that the best investment you and anyone can make is investing on themselves and taking charge of their physical, mental, and emotional health. Because those things are essential, especially if you want to build a successful career, especially if you want to find your soulmate, if you want to grow your business, anything that you want to achieve in this world, if you don't have your health and wellness in check, it will affect everything. Mm, So for, for the past 15 years, almost 16 now, I helped over 4,500 men and women worldwide get out of their own way so they can tap into their power, so they can really begin to transform their pain into purpose and their fears into confidence. I help them achieve anything from reduce stress, aches, and pains to increase confidence, productivity, clarity, and sense of fulfillment. Because I saw that working with clients over the years are so their four key components to long-lasting health, happiness, and fulfillment. And there are Number one, physical health, how you take care of your body. Number two, mental wellness, how you perceive the world. Number three, emotional intelligence, how you experience the world. And number four, spiritual connection. This is what I call enlightened alchemy, which is the comprehensive approach to physical, mental, and emotional transformations that will help you become the best version of yourself. That's in a nutshell of what I have experienced yeah. in my life, yeah. how I decided to change some of those most painful times in my life and transform it into my superpower. And I hope that I inspire anyone listening right now to recognize that what you think are your shortcomings or your uh, differences or what makes you weird or strange or whatever is actually where the superpower resides. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for explaining all that. There's there's a lot there. That's uh, quite a history, and it uh, sounds like you've been through a lot as well. I, I I think just about everybody has been through some version of being abused, mistreated, or at least feeling like they're not good enough, at least at something, if not everything, or part of life, or physically. Um, yeah, at least everyone I know. I don't know everybody on Earth yet, uh, <laughs> but um, so I, I think uh, this is obviously very a large group of people that you can help. And obviously you've helped quite a few already. Um, so, so tell me about this. When you said this part about your emotional uh, well-being, uh, your mental health, how that contributed to physical pain, how is that interconnected? Because I think some of us, at least in America, I think a lot of times we kind of, uh, again, like I say, some of us sometimes feel like, oh, it's not interconnected. It's not all uh, part of the same thing. But what I'm hearing from you and lots of people is that, no, in fact, it is. The way we think, the way we feel about ourselves then translates to uh, good and bad that goes on with us physically. How, how is that? I, well, <laughs> maybe we don't have an answer to that, but we just know that it is. What do you think? Oh, we definitely have an answer. So when it comes to health and wellness, I always like to start with the physical body because 
it helps to create a strong foundation. Mm-hmm. When your mind, body, and emotions work together in harmony, you experience health, clarity, happiness, and fulfillment. But when one is out of balance, it will affect the other two, leading to illnesses and imbalances. So I want you to imagine like a perfect triangle where one point is mind, one point is emotions, one point is body. So when you something is out of balance, that triangle is no longer it doesn't have equal sides, right? So when it comes to building a strong foundation, especially when it comes to wellness, people say, oh, diet and exercise, and everything will fall into place. Well, while diet and exercise is important, I'm here to tell you that's no enough. Because if you really want to make a difference in your physical health, and again, we're addressing emotions and mindset in a moment, but I always like to start with the body because that's where you see the changes the fastest that's where that's the most tangible thing that you begin to see transformations so when it comes Mm -hmm. to your physical health you have to find the right combination of the right food for you and the right type of exercises because what works for that person this person may not work for that person or what worked for me may not work for you but in addition to diet and exercise that are right for you, you have to implement self-care and stress-reducing practices to your daily routine. Why? Because the body is a powerful machine that when it's well taken care of, it works really well. But when neglected, it will let you know little by little, getting louder and louder until the problem can no longer be ignored. So think about as the, the battery light or the gas light in your dashboard. You know, it goes on and you may continue to go and drive around with no problem. But after a while, your car will stop. So one thing that people don't realize that your body remembers everything. It keeps track of everything you've ever done, like the type of food that you're eating, the quality (laughs) of sleep that you're getting, how you're dealing with emotions and stress. We already know it has been scientifically proven that stress is the number one cause of disease and imbalances in the body. Stress leads to high blood pressure, heart disease, inflammation, anxiety, depression, pain, and so much more. When you're stressed, so imagine you're driving uh, in, you know, on the freeway and you're trying to make an appointment at whatever time, let's say 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and it's 3.50 and you hit traffic. What happens? Your body gets tense, your muscles contract, your breath gets shallow. You enter survival mode. You are in a state of stress. Wow. This type, this type of response in the body is called fight or flight. It is a natural response of your body telling you that something is wrong and that you need to either fight or flee in order to survive. If you see a tiger right now, you're, we're talking, and also a tiger begins to come our way, you're not going to have time to be like, oh, that's a pretty tiger. Look, oh, how cute. Oh, it looks hungry. Should I run? Should I, what should I do? <laughs> Automatically, your body is innate, has this response like, wrong, you're in danger. Yeah. Unfortunately, many people today live in a constant state of stress. From the moment the alarm goes off in the morning for like, hey, you need to have this deadline done. So you need to do this, whatever, meet these meetings. You need to get the kids to and from, whatever, all this stuff that we're doing throughout the day. We are in that constant state of stress, like a tiger is chasing us, like something we're in danger. And when you're in that constant state of stress, all the body functions that are not necessary for survival get shut down. Mm-hmm. And over time, it begins to... Uh, weaken your 
own body abilities to to protect, to restore, to renew. Uh, it weakens your immune system, your digestive system, your ability to relax and heal. So there's a reason why, you know, I'm sure everybody listening can relate to this. There's a reason when you are like burning the candles at both ends and you're going, going, going. And the moment you slow down, the moment you stop or the moment you take a vacation is when you get sick. Yeah, why? Yeah. Because your body says, you're no longer in danger. So now it's time to kind of, uh, you know, do the functionings or the other stuff that we that we pause for the longest time. It's now time for us to to get back to it again. Mm. Remember, it weakens it weakens your immune system. So one example of how emotions are related to our physical health or even physical pain. When I met when I first met Shelly, one of my clients, mm. she was experiencing TMJ. She had intense neck and back pain. She was grinding her teeth. She was waking up in the middle of the night and thinking about all the stuff that she was stressed about. She kept going from doctor to doctor trying to get help. She was taking all the medications they were prescribing. And soon she she found herself taking more medication for the side effects the original medications were giving her. So one day she she decides to give me a call and she's like, Adri, I'm desperate. I don't know if you can help me. And tells me pretty much what I just told you. So we started working together and eight weeks into working together, we have been, you know, we changed her diet quite a bit. She started taking my yoga and Pilates classes online. Uh, We started doing energy work. We started to do some personal development work and within, so let's say eight weeks, nine, nine week mark. I remember clearly she gives me a call and says, Adri, you won't believe what happened today. I smiled for the first time Mm, and she noticed that she was sleeping through the night. Her pain decreased drastically. Her posture improved. She started to feel like herself again. During that time we were doing her personal development work. She also realized that she was holding on to anger. She was angry, angry at a family member for not having her back in a particular situation. And she didn't even know she was angry or she was holding this anger or resentment towards that person until we started working together. So right there goes to show how her emotions led yeah. to this type of physical pain and mm-hmm. physical response. Yeah. So one thing too that I want to also illustrate, just think about the, um, the physical reactions people have to... Uh, you know, when they're having an anxiety attack or when they are stuck in traffic, they have physical reactions to emotional circumstances. So I know when people, I talk about these, it's like, okay, I get it. I have to take better care of myself. I have to eat better or I have to sleep more, but I don't have time for all of that stuff. What do I do? I always say the same thing. It's like, please do not wait until your doctor tells you that something is wrong for you with your body or for your body to break down for you to, for you to start thinking about your health. Why? Because you can start today. It doesn't matter what happened yesterday. Today you can do simple things to take care of yourself. One quote I want to offer you guys, because I, I, this is so important. The Dalai Lama once when asked, he said, when he was asked, what surprises you the most? He said, man, because uh, he will sacrifice his health in order to make money. Then he sacrifices his money to recuperate his health. Then he's so anxious about the future that he doesn't enjoy the present. Mm. 
the result being that he does not live in the present or the future. He lives as he's never going to die, and then he dies like he's never really lived. So there are three things that you can do, anybody, it doesn't matter how busy your schedule is. These are three things I want to give you that you can implement right away to to help you with your physical body. Again, we're Mm -hmm. starting with the physical body to create a strong foundation. Number one. It's something I call morning elixir. This is something I give to all my clients that I work with. And it's simple. You start with a warm cup of water and you grab a, a lemon. You do either you do the full lemon or half of it. You squeeze the juice into the warm cup of water and you grab a tablespoon of or teaspoon, tablespoon or table or a full or half teaspoon or whatever you want to use of apple cider vinegar. I like to use the one that's organic. And it says, with the mother on the label. Why is this important? Because it will help to balance your pH. It reduces acidity in your body. Acidity leads to inflammation that leads to aches and pains. Also, it helps to boost your your metabolism. It helps to boost your digestive system and elimination system. So when I do my, my, my morning elixir every morning, I know I'm setting up myself for success, but I also take that, that five minutes of drinking that into time for contemplation, for gratitude, for prayer, for whatever it is that you're doing to help you connect with your body and to help you pause and get some mental clarity. So that's number one. Number two is to take probiotics. What people don't know is that your immune system begins in your gut. And due to the way our food today is processed or the quality of the food that we're getting, we need to have some type of probiotics to help us boost the immune system. Not all probiotics are equal. I I would recommend probiotics that are time-released, double-capsulated, and hopefully will have prebiotics as well and that at least has 10 different strengths of probiotics. Why? Probiotics are healthy bacteria. Prebiotics are fibers, and they create like a a positive environment for the healthy bacteria to attach to. to. Mm -hmm. So when people buy these drinkable probiotics or they buy tablets, the thing is once they hit the, uh, the stomach acid, most of them die. So you're not taking as much, as many probiotics as you're thinking. So that's why being double capsulated, time release, 10 different strands, at least minimum, and hopefully have prebiotics in it, you will set yourself for success. And the third thing to do is move your body. So whatever that means to you, sometimes it's going on a walk, sometimes it's swimming, sometimes it's running, whatever works for you is best. For me, I love to practice and teach yoga. Why? Because yoga is not only for the body, but it's also for the mind, the body, the spirit, and emotions. So uh, it's a very holistic way. So right there, it's four things that you can do right away to to really help you improve your physical health. Cool. That's great stuff. Uh, a lot to digest. And, uh, you know, rewind the podcast and listen to that again, because I think there's a lot there for all of us. But those three steps that you gave about the morning elixir, the probiotics, moving our body. Um, I think that's simple things we can all remember and, and try to incorporate. Um, one, th- one thing I think about too, you know, being, especially in America, there's these numbers that we Americans in particular, uh, compared to the rest of the world, sleep a lot less, not necessarily a lot, but 
Some places in the world, they average eight, nine hours of sleep. And in America, I think we average in the neighborhood of five or six hours of sleep. And of course, some people get more, some people get less. Um, what about the sleep talk topic? Um, and sometimes that changes as you get older. Like I personally am 39 years old and I used to be able to sleep like crazy, especially when I was a teenager, like a lot of growing uh, <laughs> adolescence. But uh as I've gotten to this age, my body doesn't want to sleep past maybe five or six hours a lot of times. And yet we hear from the medical field that, oh, we should be sleeping, uh, you know, at least seven or eight hours. Is there anything, a lot of the things you just said, I, I know will probably help with that. And then there's these kind of artificial things. There's the ambience. There's the more natural things that people do to help them sleep. What, what what thoughts would you have on the topic of sleep? Just to give you a very general question. <laughs> yeah, sleep is super important. It's necessary, you okay. know. And and I get and I know. I mean, we're in a society that rewards multitasking, that rewards being constantly plugged into technology, that wants instant gratification, and levels of stress continue to increase. So, you know, I, I teach Ayurveda, which is a sister science of of yoga it's like the healthcare in other countries like india where there is it's actually translated as the art of longevity so with ayurveda says that we have different body types yes adolescents are going to need the longest time of to to sleep they sleep the most because that's something that they need that they're growing they're changing etc so their their body types are going to need more sleep than others but one thing I will suggest to everybody is to start a routine that will help you maximize your time to, to you know, to maximize your, your sleeping time. So if you are grabbing your phone before going to bed, if you're answering emails, if you're on the computer, if you keep your phone in your bedroom, that's mm -hmm. also going to diminish or decrease the quality of the sleep you're getting. So if you are going to bed at a, Try to stick to a routine. For example, I go to bed at 10 o'clock at night. If I stay past 10 o'clock, I get my second wind and then I stay up later. So there's a reason why they're natural cycles. And we want to try to adjust to as, to the natural cycles as much as possible. I'm not saying, especially during the winter time where it gets dark at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, yeah. I'm not saying go to bed at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, mm -hmm. but try to go to bed at a decent hour so you can get the amount of sleep that you need that you need to get. Now, you mentioned that you're sleeping maybe 5 or 6 hours. If you're waking up and you're full of energy and you're, you're feeling fine, that's all you need right now. But if you're waking up and you're tired, you're, you're foggy, you're lethargic, you're exhausted, Exhausted, then that says that you're not sleeping enough. Another thing to consider, because again, according to Ayurveda, the moment if you hit the pillow and you fall asleep right away, like within seconds, my husband does this. He can be carrying a full-on conversation with you, and then he hits the pillow or closes his eyes and he's gone. That tells you right there that he's not sleeping. He's sleep-deprived. He's not sleeping as much as he needs to. And this is accumulation. He can go weeks without getting, you know, he can be, he can go by but with five hours of sleep, but eventually we'll catch up with him. So that's yeah. what happens for me. I need eight hours of sleep minimum. I can get away with less for one, two days, maybe three days. But after that, my body begins to tell me, gives me signals. Like I get a runny nose or a scratchy throat or I, there are symptoms I get, not like I'm getting sick. It's my body telling me, uh, you need to rest. Otherwise, you're going to get sick. Yeah. So 
sleep is very important. And I, I have a phrase I say to many of my clients. I said, sometimes you need to do less in order to do more. Mm. And it sounds contradictory, but the thing is, think about it. If you are under a lot of stress and you're trying to, you know, meet a deadline and you're not sleeping, etc. Something that in the past when you well, were well rested might take you maybe, I don't know, let's say 10 minutes. Now, because you're so tired, etc. It's taking you an hour. So it's taking you a lot longer to do the same task. So sometimes it's better to walk away, get some rest, take a power nap, do whatever it is that you need to be doing to then come back, refresh, restore, energize, mental clarity, and get stuff done faster. So sleep is is necessary. So if you need to give up something, please do not give up sleep. Try to arrange other stuff to make sure that you're getting the amount of sleep that you need to. And it's to me, it doesn't go about hours. It's about, again, how you're waking up, how you're going to bed, set routines, Stop. I tell my clients, please do not check phones or don't answer emails at least minimum two hours prior to going to bed. Try to stick to the routine (laughs) because the blue light activates your brain. Mm. So how can you, you know, you're telling your body, okay, it's time to unwind, let's start to slow down. But the blue light from the technology is stimulating your brain. So how can you go to sleep right away if your brain is stimulated? Yeah. Excellent. Great, great, great. Thank you for saying all that. Uh, some of that goes against, like initially it goes in my mind against, oh, this isn't this isn't right. I know deep down that it is right, but culturally this thing has been implanted in us and impressed on us and a lot of modern Western society at least, that if you uh, sleep too much, quote unquote, which is like eight hours plus, like you said you need, that you're weak, that, oh, no, you just need to go on and not get as much sleep. like And that's one of the reasons America has the numbers that we do when it comes to sleep mm-hmm. and other things that, that oh, oh, you're weak if you, <laughs> if you don't if you do not do that. But I like the quote that you said about sometimes you have to do less in order to do more uh, because we need that restorative state of sleep uh, mentally and physically that it does. It heals our bodies and, and so many things that it – and not sleeping, by the way, not sleeping enough – causes damage doesn't it i mean yes. and there's it's irreparable damage because people talk about uh oh well i can catch up on sleep i can get two hours here for a couple days and then i'll catch up on saturday or <laughs> whatever uh but the damage once it's done is done it's not you can't you can go sleep 12 hours one day and, and that damage isn't there right like you right. have you have to you have to have a routine it sounds like and stick with it Yes. And, and again, it comes back to changing the narrative of the story. You know, when, and this brings us back to, to, to my second point of the mindset that this is a sin. Who are we living our lives for? For ourselves? Or are we living somebody else's life? based on their expectations. Say so somebody tells you you're weak because you need eight hours of sleep, mm-hmm. are they in your shoes? Are they paying your bills? Are they doing your job? If the answer is no, so why do you care what they think? If you're doing your work, if you're doing, if you're showing up fully every single day, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter if you sleep five hours, 10 hours, 12 hours, or anything in between. What matters is that you're doing exactly what you need to perform your best physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually speaking. So when it comes to mindset, 
you know, it's something I call clearing the canvas. And I define clearing the canvas as the releasing of negative beliefs, thoughts, and negative patterns that hold you back. So you can create a strong foundation in a positive mindset moving forward. Unfortunately, many people want to rush through clearing the press, the canvas altogether. They want to, you know, they want to have a successful business. They want to make X amount of uh, zeros in, you know, per month. They want to have their soulmate. They want better health, lose the extra weight, find relief from pain, all this stuff. But the thing is that unless you do your inner work, those things may come and go. Why? Because your mind is a powerful tool that can create wonderful things or hold you back big time. On average, an individual has 70,000 thoughts per day, yet only 10% of those are original thoughts, meaning 90% are repetitions of the thoughts that you had the day before, the week before, the year before, etc. Yes. This is why becoming aware of the qualities of your thoughts is so important because your thoughts become beliefs. What is a belief? A belief is a thought that you continue to think over and over. Your beliefs become your reality. Your beliefs become, they act as filters of how you experience the world. Your belief will affect your biology. Dr. Bruce Linton, he has, he has a PhD in biology. He says that we cannot change our genetics, but we can change our minds. And in the process, we can change the blueprints used to express our genetic potential. So this is why clearing the canvas is so important because a constant negative thought leads to negative belief that gets reinforced by, reinforced by negative emotions and in turn they manifest as worry, stress, aches and pains, ailments and imbalances. Yeah. So when you are worried about what other people think or say, then if you don't measure to their standards, guess what happened? I'm not good enough or I'm too much of. That, that, that begins to feed that inner critic you know that 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 voice that's constantly pointing out your shortcomings or comparing you to other or that negative voice that that's always feeling your fears your doubts your insecurities or even your self-sabotaging behavior that inner critic that doubts your ability to succeed to grow to even overcome obstacles because you're constantly comparing yourself to others that leads to defeating thoughts about yourself so the other day, another client, Susan, she asked me, Adrian, why do I continue to fall back to old patterns even when I know better? Mm. This is what I call being stuck in a hamster wheel due to limiting beliefs that leads to the same behavior and the same outcome over and over. Limiting beliefs refers to the negative thoughts and patterns that are constantly running in the background affecting your behavior. The scene is many people don't know they have these limiting beliefs. It's like having multiple tabs open in your browser and you don't see those browsers being open until you click on them. So that's a limiting belief constantly running in the background. One of the most common limiting beliefs out there is I'm not good enough. So some of you may feel you're not good enough to fill in the blanks. You're not good enough to start a new business, move uh, to a different state or ask for a raise or Mm -hmm. whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So limiting beliefs can be formed any given time. Some are formed at an early age based on learned behaviors, generational DNA, or cultural beliefs. Others are formed based on past experiences, current situations, or even location. Another doctor, Rick Hansen, in his book, Hardwiring for Happiness, he says that our brains are hardwired towards the negative. For example, think about this. If you have 10 experiences today, five of them are neutral, four are positive, one is negative. 
chances are that you're going to think about that negative situation or experience before you go to bed. Maybe you wake up in the middle of the night thinking about it. Maybe you wake up in the morning the next day thinking about it. Yeah. Why? Because that's our brain that hardwired is hardwired that way. But the good news is that we can release those negative beliefs and replace them with positive uh, positive ones. We can change the way our brains begin to concentrate or focus on certain things. For example, one exercise I gave Susan and that all of you can implement right away. I always love to give takeaways or things that people can do immediately. And one of them is journaling. And I know some people are like, oh, here we go, journaling, really? Well, <laughs> let me tell you why. When you journal on a regular basis and you write down how you're feeling, what you're thinking, etc., you begin to, you may go back every week or once a month and look back at what you're writing and you're going to see key phrases. You're going to see key patterns. You're going to notice, oh my gosh, I mentioned this in every, is this positive? Is this negative? So you begin to see those patterns and what that does is brings awareness because you cannot change something that you don't know that is changing. It's like being in a room that's dark, that, that's dirty, that's messy, but because it's dark, or the lights are out, you don't see the mess. But when you flip the switch and the light comes on, you can see the mess. So that's awareness. Awareness will give you the tools that you need to start changing things. So with Susan, for example, when she started journaling, few uh, maybe a month or, or a month and a half into it, she began to see those patterns that helped her begin to establish healthy boundaries not only in her personal life but in her business as well so this is something all of you can do but in addition to this it has been scientifically proven that spending 10 minutes a day writing things that you're grateful for it will increase feelings of well-being decrease mm. feelings of depression and it trains your brain to look for good things to have that happens during the day so you go from seeing life or seeing the glass half empty into seeing the glass half full so this is very powerful. One thing I also want to mention that sometimes clearing the canvas includes forgiveness. For some of you, it means forgiving a specific person. For some of you, it means forgiving yourself. For me, it meant forgiving my aunt. For, I'm not saying forgiving my aunt and those people that hurt me in the past, especially the people that make me feel so self-conscious about being an immigrant. Why? Because forgiveness doesn't mean that I'm saying that what happened was okay. Forgiveness is for me. Forgive me. Forgiveness gave me the strength and freedom to break free from those past experiences. There were times in my life I couldn't speak about being abused without crying, without being angry, without having the nut in my throat or, or the pit on my stomach. So now I can talk about being abused as a child, not from a place I want people to feel bad for me, but from a place of empowerment that says, yes, that happened to me, but I chose to rise above. I chose to use that the, the lesson, what that taught me in positive ways. I chose to break free from that path. Mm -hmm. So that's why I believe that clearing the canvas is so important because it will help you begin to clear those negative patterns, negative thoughts that are holding you back, keeping you playing small, feeling like you're not good enough. Yeah. And something I want to offer to your audience that that people ask me when when I go to conferences and speak, they they want they want to know how they can start this this work. So I created a a free workbook. It's called From Limited to Limitless: Find Your Bliss Playbook. Playbook. 
in this download is simple. I have some questions and simple exercises that you can do to help you become aware of some of these limiting beliefs that may be playing in the background that might be holding you back. So then you can have the awareness and start taking the necessary steps forward to break free from those limiting beliefs. So whether you never know, never knew or haven't heard ever about what limiting beliefs are, never worked on yourself, or whether you have tried in the past, but soon soon after fell back to old patterns, or whether you are a personal development junkie that feels like done it all, there's always a next layer to go through. So this workbook mm-hmm. will give you some of the helpful tips and, and, and answers that comes from within yourself to help you move forward. Yeah. And, yeah. and you have the link. I'm, I'm sure they can access that link. Yeah. We'll put that in the show notes, adrikaiser.com slash free dash gifts and all, throughout the website, all kinds of great material. That's adrikaiser, A-D-R-I-K-Y-S-E-R.com. And, uh, you know, as you're talking here too, I'm reminded personally, a lot of things that have helped me, uh, I'm certainly, none of us, let's, let's be clear. None of us are in a perfect state of harmony at all times. And I think we need to just acknowledge that and just embrace that reality, but that we're striving to constantly better ourselves and, and, uh, invoke patterns and habits that, that make us better as we move forward in life. But I, I, a lot of what's helped me oddly enough is the world around us, I think, is very instructive. The natural world, the natural universe. The universe, for example, demands balance. I always think about things like black holes. When a star collapses in on itself and a black hole basically becomes a vacuum because the universe is demanding balance. <laughs> because uh, that, and I don't want to go too deep on that. And it's things like uh, harvesting crops. You know, my great, my grandfather was a farmer and, and a lot of our ancestors did farming in some capacity. A lot of us in modern times don't, so we're not in tune with that aspect of nature. But you can't, uh, you can't, we use the word cram in English. I don't know if you're familiar with that word, but when you're, when you're studying for a test, but you wait till the last minute, you're cramming for the test. Like, mm-hmm. oh, it's the night before the final test <laughs> of this class. Um, and I remember Stephen Covey used to say, well, you can't cram with farming. Uh, you, and you need to follow the natural uh, state and the natural laws of things that a lot of what we've done in modern times has gotten away from the, the processes of how the natural world is, is, uh, established and we've disconnected from that. And so I think a lot of what you're saying helps us, I think, uh, in a lot of ways reconnect. I think we need to acknowledge that we've, we've gotten away from, <laughs> from some of those things. There's so many things we could talk about. I don't know if you want to respond to any of that. Uh, but, Go ahead. Yeah, I love exactly what you said. It's true. I mean, you know, when we're born as babies, we are balanced. You know, we're happy. I never met a baby that I didn't like. You know, <laughs> when you see a baby, you feel the sense of love because we are born lovers. We are. You Babies are pure love. It's just as we grow, we, you know, experiences people, situations, circumstances, they can either begin to move us away from the state of balance and peace. So we are not the Dalai Lama. We're not in a cave in the Himalayas, you know, meditating, trying to find balance. We are human beings living a very material world. I get that. But it's our job, it's our duty, it's our choice to begin to find our way back to balance. Are we going to be balanced at all times, all day, every day? No, because... 
unless we transcend to a different uh, sense of energy, you know, uh, when we our souls are balanced, but our physical being are not so based yeah. on what our activities, the way we eat, the way we sleep, our routine, etc. So ways to for us to balance will look different for everybody but spending time in nature for sure is a great way to balance because yeah. nature will help you feed feed your soul feed your body so what are the things that you can do to bring you back into balance for some people again it's meditation yoga for some people is praying for some people is swimming for some people is uh i don't know running for some people is working so it doesn't matter what other people do what matters is what are you doing on a regular basis to help you feel more balanced to help you feel all at ease so when you have pain this is something i want to make sure i address it's like Mm -hmm. please don't see pain as your enemy pain is simply a weight of your body it's an alarm system telling you hey adri hey phil hey susie hey mary hey taylor you're moving you know, you're moving away from the path. You're being buried or you haven't been dealing with these things and it's time to deal with this. You haven't been paying attention. Pain is, is alarm telling you, hey, pay attention to these things that are happening. So it's like people ask me all the time, how can I become intuitive? Well, all of us are intuitive beings. All of us are spiritual beings having a human reality. Mm-hmm. Your intuition is something that's innate within you. But what happens is that we spend most of our days, most of our lives in our heads, disconnecting from our bodies and from our hearts. And this comes to emotional intelligence, a third pillar. You know, that the thing is that when you are in your head, oftentimes, even if your intuition is telling you, do this or don't do that, because you're in your head, your rational mind is telling you what's right or what's wrong, you ignore that intuition sometimes you get that gut feeling and you ignore it you know or sometimes you follow through and you see the rewards for following through with your intuition so when it comes to emotional intelligence it refers to your capacity to become aware to control and to express your emotions it's learning to manage your emotions and understand how they can drive your behavior and impact people in positive or negative ways so in other words as you think, you believe, as you believe, you feel, and as you feel, you behave. One thing that, that, that I think is mind-blowing, according to the HeartMath Institute, it says that the heart generates the largest electromagnetic field in the body, and it's about 60 times greater than the brain waves. So that means that the brain signals the productions of hormones and biochemistry in the body to support what the heart is telling it. So in other words, the heart sends more information to the brain than the brain to the heart, yet so many people spend time in their heads. Mm. So this is what we have to start changing. You know, when when that, that boys don't cry saying <laughs> or like, don't cry, suck it up, don't be weak. That's not true because according to Ayurveda and, and as I will give you some examples, but according to Ayurveda, emotions that are not, that are suppressed, that are repressed, that are not expressed naturally, they get stored in your tissue, your fascia, your muscles. There's a reason that when you get some type of, let's say, a massage or body work, some people have an emotional release mm. because those emotions were there. One example, I had a, a student, I mean, I've been teaching yoga for a, 
for many years. And I see my share of people crying in yoga. And I don't want you to think if you come to my yoga class, you're going to cry. But what it means is that sometimes for these people, they were already, they were ready to let go of something. So whether it was the mindful breathing, the conscious movement, words of inspirations they heard during the class or whatever, when they go into the final relaxation pose, they start crying. And oftentimes they don't know what they're crying, but it's that emotional release because they were carrying stuff in their muscles, in their fascia that needed to be to be done with. Yeah, yeah. Another example of this, I had a... Last year, I lead international retreats, and last year we were in, in Ireland, and I have a, a, a client that came in to the retreat, and we're talking, and um, the next morning I'm teaching a yoga class, and as I'm teaching this yoga class, I get very uh, three very dis- distinct messages for three different people. So when I approached this particular person, and I gave her the message, the intuitive message I received, she she was shocked, so she proceeds to tell me that she her, she's in a crossroads. She she feels in her heart that she needs to change careers and move locations, but in her head she's like, "Well, maybe I should stay here longer because of this, this, and this, and that, and all the things of why she should stay there." Yeah. But when I received the message and I gave it to her and I asked her to close her eyes and I gave guided her through like a breathing meditation type of thing, mm-hmm. and I asked her if money and time wasn't an issue what would you do she started crying immediately why because she knew she knew her heart her body everything every cell of her being was telling her the answer that she knew what she needed to do but it was her mind that was saying uh that doesn't make sense or even that that ego mind that wants to protect you right we Mm -hmm. that's part of our, our 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 survival mechanism so guess what few months later, I check in with her, she moved, she transitioned, and she's happy as a clam. So right there, it goes to show once again how emotions affect our physical health, how emotions, because another thing people don't know is that emotions are molecules that carry information that affects the functioning of your cells. Mm-hmm. So right there, you see how your emotions can affect the functioning of yourself and your self-functionings will affect your physical well-being. Another thing that I think is incredible to, to, to mention is that science has revealed there are three major areas where we process emotions, and they're also known as the three brains. The first brain is the mind, which refers to the logic mind, the intellect. The subconscious mind directs over 90% of your behavior. So once again, why clearing the canvas is important because as you think, you believe, as you believe, you act and behave. The second brain is the heart, your intuition, how you connect with others and experience the world. Your intuition is a voice that guides you through your journey. And the third brain is your gut, the gut feeling that you have. In 90% of your body serotonin, which is producing the, is producing the gut. And serotonin is involved in mood regulation. So now you can see how you experience emotion, not just in your chest, in your heart, but actually throughout the entire body. So that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Wow. That That's a lot of information. And uh, again, rewind it. <laughs> Listen to that again. <laughs> because there, there's, I love what you said towards the beginning about babies. Because, you know, I have two sons myself. I don't know if you have any children, but we've all experienced oh babies. And uh it's true. Babies aren't born. They're not racist. They're not insecure. They're not abusive. They're they're just innocent creatures uh, 
And I think there's some drive in babies and all of us as human beings, whatever stage we're at, to to be the best we can and to find joy and happiness. And we've talked a lot in our uh, podcast about the word joy in Hebrew and other places actually means alignment. Uh, so doing a lot of things you're talking about and mentioning some of these examples with clients and whatnot uh, also uh, leads can lead if people make the right decisions and, and accept certain things. I think that's a very big key to a lot of what you're saying is acceptance of, oh, this was wrong. Uh, and this path is more right, and I need to change gears and go this direction with this particular thing to be in alignment, to be in harmony, uh, to be in balance with body, mind, soul, all these things you talk about, uh, with emotions, and and with the universe and the world around us. And I, I think we need to all be more in tune with that idea. I, I just got my guitar fixed. Uh, <laughs> that uh, I, I play drums, but I also play a little bit of guitar. And I just think of that way, like tuning an instrument. You play a guitar or a piano long enough and it gets out of tune. And uh, and so we need to recognize that. And I, th- and I use that kind of, I like analogies because like you talked about pain and pain is, is our friend. Just like when you hear an instrument that's out of tune, there's an element of pain because, oh, that sounds awful. <laughs> it doesn't sound like good music. Those strings just sound out of harmony. And uh, so there's something magical about principles like this. That's why I look to the, the world around us for uh, indicator. Like I say, all the great teachers uh, in all the religious, Jesus and whoever else in the world have taught with parables and symbols. And so I think there's a lot of instructive things there. And all these things you said about babies and and like so much, like there's just priceless gems here. We should charge a million dollars for this podcast, everything <laughs> you're saying. <laughs> and, and maybe you know, we will. I love what you're saying, but also we have to realize that we have a choice. It comes down to choice. Yes. Every yes. day, every hour, every minute, we have a choice. What happened to us in the past, we get to choose either we're going to be labeled by it, are we going to stay hidden and put ourselves in a box because of it, or are we choosing to rise above, learn the lessons, and move forward? So I, I remember clearly I had a client years ago. We were working together. This one was a particular yoga client. She was coming to me for private yoga lessons. But mm-hmm. I, I'm a holistic person. I really work mind, body, emotions, and everything I do. So she was pretty much getting coaching as well during these yoga sessions. Three months into working with me, she comes one day and says, Adri, I love you. I love your classes. They help me so much. But it also helped me realize how unhappy I am in my marriage, how happy I am in my career, how happy I am. And she listed all the things. And she said to me, but I'm not ready to make a change. I know I'm not happy, but this is what I know. Mm. So... I'm saying this because there are many people that are married to their stories or their story becomes their identity or the pain that they are becomes comfortable because it comes what they know. They want to get rid of it, but sometimes they don't want to do the work that it takes to get to the other side. And you mentioned going to the external world. Well, one thing I want to make sure people recognize as well that the external world that we experience as individuals is a reflection of our own inner world. So if I'm hurt, if I, I was doing an interview a while back and this person, when we're talking about me being abused by my aunt, she asked me, did that influence the, w- the way you allow female friendships into your life? And mm. I said, absolutely it did. 
because as a child, I'm looking at somebody of authority, a woman that's older than me, somebody that's supposed to trust, somebody that's supposed to learn from, and is beating me up and calling me names. So guess what? Moving forward, it wasn't conscious. It was unconscious. Remember, 90% of our behavior is unconscious. Moving forward in my life, guess what? I was guarded. I didn't let many female friendships into my life. And the ones that I let in, my belief system is, be careful, these women are going to hurt you. And guess what happened? Your brain wants to prove you right. So there, it's going to find <laughs> situation, people, circumstances that are going to prove you right. So the women that I let in my life as friends, they hurt me. Not because they beat me up or bully me or anything, but somewhere or another, they end up hurting me. And it wasn't until I became aware of these limiting beliefs and these patterns, and I chose to do something about it, that everything changes. Yeah, so again, yeah. when people say, I want to get rid of this pain, I don't want this anymore or whatever, it comes to the moment, it's like, okay, where are you choosing? Are you choosing to stay there or are you choosing to do the work to take you to the next step? I chose when I was, you know, I was having pain and all this stuff. I said, no, I have to change the narrative of this story. The external circumstances I experience in the external world I'm experiencing is matching my internal representation. So I have to change from within in order for my external world to change. Yes. Yes. I love everything you said. Very, very powerful. Uh, and that's absolutely true. And I think, I think it's worth looking. All of us look in the mirror and and being real with ourselves, in, enough to realize what's going on. Like some of these clients you've mentioned, unhappy in this or that, uh, and 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 dig deep as to what the reasons why those things might be. The real reasons, not oh because of this or that, but the real reasons and the choices we're making to let it stay that way. And, and there's, there's something really powerful about the idea of letting certain things go. That's what forgiveness is in a lot of ways, uh, about flushing something out, some area of life that sometimes needs to be let go of tactfully. Uh, and what it gets down to, when I think of, all of us tend to love movies and good entertainment, things like that, but the best stories and movies and books and things are about somebody who in some capacity was enslaved and then made free. That could be that could be anything from a funny Tom Hanks kind of movie to the Gladiator, you know, with Russell Crowe. These <laughs> these are the stories that really hit us hard because this is the story of humanity. Are we enslaving ourselves or are we freeing ourselves? And that's the opportunity. And guess who decides? You and I individually <laughs> decide mm -hmm. that. And then together we decide how we're moving forward with humanity. Uh, and so I encourage all of us to unite that way to to be those things. I just feel like that needs to be said right now. And uh, boy, there's so much uh, we could talk about. I, and you, you talk about things in our world, you know, and I hear Tony Robbins, we've talked a little bit about this recently in the podcast too. He said that nothing has meaning. We assign meaning to everything. And that's a reflection of how we see the world. Like we go back mm -hmm. to babies. They don't have all these preconceived notions and ideas these things come into our minds because over time we're hurt or we have a life experience our parents weren't perfect we're traumatized and so we're trying to avoid pain or seek pleasure and one in one form or another we get out of balance by doing these things do you do you have any thoughts on the idea of assigning meaning in life and how that relates to some of these things and we'll we'll close here pretty soon too uh, but as we get ready to close what do you think about that in, in terms of what that what that means for us, so to speak. We're talking about meaning. <laughs> 
Yeah, you know, meaning, like, a, you know, if I show you a pencil, pencil, I mean, it has a meaning because we assign it that meaning, right? So when it comes to our life experiences, remember, belief become, beliefs are filters of how we see the world. So coming back to the example I was giving you of me and my relationship with female friends, for me, for the longest time, the meaning I have of relationship with women were that one way or another, they were going to hurt me. So I was guarded, right? So when it comes to you wanting to realize what's the meaning of your life, what is the purpose of your life, what what do you want to do with your life, is coming back to what is it that fits your soul. I believe that every single one of us, Every single person right here, right now, today, alive in this world has a purpose and a meaning of their life. You know, we have a divine purpose, something that only us can do. There are a million people out there. There are a million doctors, yoga teachers, coaches, uh, lawyers, whatever it is. But only you can do what you can the way you do it only you have your own experiences that you can share with share with others so when it comes back to like i don't know what my purpose is i don't know what the meaning of my life is so i don't know what the meaning of this happening right now comes back to what is it that you want to do what will you do every day of your life for the rest of your life that you're passionate about and sometimes we don't have the answer because we have a lot of stuff to clear through a lot of uh expectations or meanings of other people that are embedded in our heads. So it's clearing all that clutter and we become clear. It's like, what sets my soul on fire? What makes me feel alive? What what really gives me reason to get up every day? What's my why? So when I mentioned when I was five years old, I wanted to make a positive difference in people's life. For the longest time, I thought I was going to be in a courtroom, being a lawyer. But then I realized that divine intervention had different plans for me and I went in a completely different path that has fulfilled my life because not only you know what I what I teach and 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 do in my programs with my clients is stuff I personally did for myself because when I was suffering from chronic pain for over a decade I I learned I got certified I searched for answers all the different things I needed to do in order to heal myself from the inside out and now I have those tools to help others so I'm still living my life purpose I'm still fulfilling that dream of the five-year-old girl you know so there's things that when it comes to what's the meaning of life, I cannot give you that answer. Nobody can give you that answer but you. And how can you find that answer by journaling, by praying, by meditating, by spending time in nature, mm-hmm. coming back to what makes you happy, what makes you fulfilled, what brings you back into alignment, what brings you, what begins to attract the vibration of what you're asking to be. So meaning if I want to be loved, truly loved i have to love myself and once i love myself i attract the perfect soulmate you know or if i want to be abundant mm-hmm. i cannot be thinking scarcity i cannot be i i see people all the time that want to work with me because they have financial problems but their own money mindset the money of the mindset of scarcity prevents them from taking action on the things that are going to help them get out of that so meaning they get a course they get a training they find a mentor that their their own money scarcity mindset prevents them from hiring those people that are going to help them overcome that scarcity mindset. So it comes back to like, you know, everybody says, I don't have time for this. I don't don't have money for that. It comes back to value. How important is this for you? 
is it, if it's important, you're going to find the time, the money, the commitment, the whatever, all the stuff that you need to make it happen. So if it's important to you, it means it has value. Where is the value coming from? Is it internal? Is it external? So that's also, also very important to identify. Is this coming from myself because I see the worth of this? Or is it something because what everybody, everybody else is telling me is worth this much and therefore it doesn't mean too much, so much to you? Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, it absolutely does because uh, part of the human story consistently is we like, we all have time and we all have the same amount of time. You know, we had to coordinate our time specifically to do this interview and be at this same spot here on the phone to do the, <laughs> this. And and so we make time for the things that matter. If you want to spend time with your kids or spouse or just work all the time or get enough sleep or read or journal or the tons of other things you can do. I know it's somewhat overwhelming, but we can organize our lives. Um, I'm going to be putting some stuff out there, too. I'm not going to say anything about it now because we're talking about you and your stuff, but that will help people do those things as well. And uh Boy, there's so much here. One thing I want to ask you as we get ready to close here, and this maybe this will be the last thing, but I noticed on your website you have a, a term called soul power archetype. Do you want to explain kind of what that means? Yeah. So I believe we all have a soul power, right? It's what makes you unique. And, and when you move from your sense of empowerment, so meaning when you know what your purpose is in life, once you know that this is what you're meant to be doing, this is what sets your soul on fire, that's moving from a place of having your soul power. And we all have archetypes. And these archetypes are like, um, this came intuitively to me. I was uh, That was before Thanksgiving this past year. And I was in bed and I woke up and I heard, I have to create these archetypes and this is what it is and this is what it's based. So the soul powered archetypes are based on six types. And mm -hmm. what I did is I created a special intuitive customized a special essential oil crystal blend for people based on those archetypes. Each archetype has positive qualities and qualities that are out of balance or tend to be out of balance. So, for example, uh, one archetype could be, let's say, the, the the love goddess. So when they are balanced or the positive qualities of the love goddess is that they're loving, they're caring, uh, etc etc but when out of balance they can hold resentment they're easily hurt they have all these different things so when i say I, I created this particular quiz and this archetype it's based on those 15 16 years of experience of working with clients and seeing common characteristics come in uh, when they're balanced and imbalanced and then i created this intuitively for each person that purchased the, the, the soul power blends it's a combination of several essential oils and crystals to help them come back and attune themselves, to come back into alignment. So that's some of the things I do. That's why I, I, I say so I'm, a, I'm a, like an energy alchemist because I work with the mind, body, and emotions yeah. in, using different tools. So my idea is always to help somebody come back into alignment, to come back into themselves, to yeah. to become who they are meant to be and stop playing small. Because I know the pain, how painful it was for me to be put in a box. I, I was put in a box by other people's version of what it should look like, be like, act like, and also myself based on my own fears. But once you realize that the pain of not becoming who you're meant to be, of not being who you are, of not doing what you're meant to be doing, that the, the fear of being judged and criticized by others is going to be 
it's nothing in comparison to the pain of you know fulfilling your life yeah. of not you being who you are meant to be. That's when you realize that it's time to wake up to your soul power. And again, so many people I ask clients of, often, it's like, what do you want? And they don't know. But when I ask them what you don't want, they give me a mile long list. So we concentrate on what we don't have, what we don't want, etc. But when we ask, what do you want? What What is it that you want to be doing, etc.? Sometimes they don't know. So that's the process of tapping into your own soul power and discovering all these different layers. What are some of the past experiences that are holding you back? What are some of the belief systems that you have that sometimes are not even yours. It might be passed down from generation through generations. You know, so and when we do our inner work, when we heal ourselves, we're not only healing ourselves, we're healing seven generations up and seven generations down. So we're healing wow. our parents, grandparents, great grandparents and so forth. And then our children, their children, their children and so forth. Wow. That is really, really deep. I think uh, I think that's some strong food for thought to wrap up on. I think we all need to really sit back, contemplate, ask ourselves a lot of these questions. I love your holistic wellness approach to the mind, body, emotions, uh, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual realms of what we are as people and taking care of and bringing into balance and harmony all of those areas. Uh, so again, adrikaiser.com a d as in dog a d r i k y s e r.com and then for that workbook you talked about uh, it's that website adrikaiser.com/free-gifts with an s at the end so everybody go do that and connect with uh, our friend adri here i love talking with you i hope we can do this again and pick up where we left off and uh, <laughs> As usual, for our audience, our uh, love, appreciation, we're flattered you spend time with us. And until next time, empower yourself, empower the world around you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Empower Humans. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review this podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit EmpowerHumans.com. We'll catch you next time.